The scripture text for this morning's sermon is Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. Let's read these words. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So that's our text. And after the sermon, we'll sing The Church is One Foundation. That's hymn 52 after the sermon. Brothers and sisters, loved graciously by the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever feel like you're the one person holding some ministry together, keeping something alive in church? Maybe you think back to some time ago, maybe there was some evangelism event, and the feeling was, where are the other people? Am I the only one behind this? Maybe there's vacation Bible school. I don't know if you do that here. The feeling was, are we the only people always involved? Are we the only ones keeping this going? Maybe there's a men's Bible study and, and you're thinking, where's everyone else? No doubt you've been part of a church ministry, some, some activity, some Bible study or program, maybe a committee, and you've bemoaned the fact that no one else is really behind this. And it's especially when it's a good thing that you support, that you say that everyone ought to be doing, it's quite likely that you will come out grumbling and bemoaning and complaining. So it's quite likely that the words of our text are going to be applying to every one of us. The Apostle Paul says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. God wants us to be clear-headed, humble. God wants fewer complaints about other people not pulling their weight. There's something going wrong in our own hearts, and it's hard to recognize. So this text this morning is going to speak to every one of us. I've summarized the, the sermon like this. The Lord urges us to think with sober judgment about our gifts. We're going to go to two points here. First of all, the gifts are received according to grace. Secondly, gifts are used according to faith. So, gifts received according to grace. Gifts, that's the first word. I think the hardest part of our text this morning is a reminder that what is, uh, what is right, what we ought to be doing, what is good, the hardest part is that it's called a gift. 
there's a parallel passage to this, something like 1 Corinthians 12, where doing what's good is called a spiritual gift. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And now somehow, if we're going to make progress this morning, walking through our text, we're going to have to see that obeying God, that obedience, is a gift from God. A gift from the Holy Spirit. And this is the sober, clear-minded message that will keep me from thinking more highly than I ought to think. God's gracious gift is that I sometimes do what's right. What everyone should be doing. But it's a gracious gift to me. We have to examine our motives and think about why we do things when we do things. Why do you do what you ought to do those times? Let's say you are someone known for hospitality. You open your home to others, you welcome them in. And you ask yourself now, why do I do it? I imagine it's because you get it. right? You know that it's something you ought to do. It's not only something we read from Romans 12, verse 13, but it's the gospel that God has shown me hospitality. Why should I open my home? It's because God has opened his home to me, his household. I've been welcomed into his household. Okay, that's all true, these motives, but it's all good. But we have this urgent warning this morning in our text that says, unless you recognize it's a gift from God, we will be puffed up. You'll be thinking more highly about yourself than you ought to think. Unless we recognize it's a gift from God will mutter about those who don't do what they ought to do. We'll always be asking the question, why am I the, one of the only ones behind this? What, what kind of church is this anyway? Unless we start seeing that the good we do is a gift from God, coming down from a Father of the heavenly lights, we will look down on others. And this is pride, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. That pride needs to die. It needs to fade out of our lives. I don't know how, when was the last time you read through the book of Romans and studied it. But if you've been reading through the book of Romans and you've come across 11 chapters to get to this 12th one, and you've had 11 chapters of overwhelming teaching methodical, systematic teaching of God's grace. We've heard for 11 chapters that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You've heard that the righteousness of God is revealed. For these 11 chapters up till now, you've been inundated with good news from the book of Romans. Remember this line? That God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or no doubt you remember Romans 8. It's, it's ringing in your ears. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you've heard, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And so we've made it through 11 chapters of God's undeserved favor, His righteousness, His love, His forbearance, the patience of God. And... Grace, grace, grace. So you get to chapter 12 in your Bible and you're thinking, now this is what we get to do. It's practical, right? 
And I get to present myself as a living sacrifice. This is what we do. We stop being conformed to this world. This is what we do. We love one another. But brothers and sisters, I hope you haven't switched channels. Don't do this. Don't switch from the 11 chapters of God's grace to five, five remaining chapters of our obedience, or you can label it our thankfulness. As though you've had grace for 11 chapters, and now you've, okay, now we can use that as a jumping, a diving board and, and get some momentum. You see, brothers and sisters, it's grace upon grace. That's the message coming in chapter 12. It was 11 chapters of grace alone. And now it's going to be the remaining five chapters of God's grace at work, not alone, but God's grace at work in us. God's grace at work through us. God's grace at work with us. And you'll hear it, right? Romans 12, how does it open up? I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to do these things, right? That expression, by the mercies of God, isn't filler. It's not only referring to those first 11 chapters. But it's saying, this is your fuel. This is what you're running on and motivated for all that comes from God. By God's outpoured gifts and mercies, I appeal to you to do these things. Now, if you have the time to look up another verse and study it a bit, there, there have been clues coming that this was earlier in those chapters 1 through 11. There's a verse that says your obedience is going to be God's gift. Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give all things? So there you have the gifts that you have in Christ are compounding. They're building up. They're multiplying. Your obedience is also God's gift to you. Now, looking at our text, then you see the Apostle Paul. He's going to begin his words practicing what he's preaching. He's working out this pattern of humility, of pointing to God's grace. So what do you have in verse 3? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. By the grace given to me. And you have to ask yourself, what grace has God given the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul is talking about the grace of God calling him to be an apostle. The obedience of Paul is obeying that gospel and, and being a preacher of the good news. So even this is a gift of God. His authority to write to the churches what God tells him to write. Now what if we had this attitude... What if we were to have this ingrained in us as well, that every time we do something that we ought to do, we immediately think of that as a gift from God? What if we immediately think of what we ought to do as God's grace? 
Let's say you're a good listener. You like to be able to listen to people, to help others out. You have some empathy for other people. Do you see that as God's gift of grace to you? What if you love to go to a group Bible study? Do you see that as God's gift of grace to you? What if you love to attend church twice and every holiday you make sure that you worship with God's people in that place? Is that God's gift of grace to you? Because everyone ought to be doing that. What if you try to work at outreach and, e and practice evangelism? You know, we all ought to be doing that, but have you begun to see that as God's gift of grace? What if you're good at administration, organizational details, taking notes? Is that God's gift to you? What if you're good at communicating the truth? What if you're good at connecting with younger people? What if, what if you're a generous person? What if you're good at government affairs and you are interested in the work of ARPA? Brothers and sisters, maybe you should ask yourself what your gift is. It's not too difficult to find out what your gift is. If I were to eavesdrop on you, and listen to what you talk most about when you're open and honest, and what you complain the most about, what other people are not doing, I wouldn't doubt that that's your gift. The gift that God, the Holy Spirit, is unwrapping in your life is likely to be something that you wish was happening more by God's people. We need this message to be clear, brothers and sisters, that all these activities, anything that I've mentioned, just as examples like evangelism or hospitality or listening carefully or praying or studying or organizing or encouraging, all of these should be done by all of us all the time. Okay, Don't misunderstand that. But when you do what's right, what you ought to do, and when you do it with all your heart, just admit it. That's God's gift to me, my grace. It's a spiritual gift. So 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7 has this. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you've received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So maybe you don't outright boast about these things. You're not saying, I'm the best at what I do. But there is this pride, there's this thinking more highly than you ought to think when you look down at a brother or sister in the church. You detect what looks like a gaping hole in their Christian walk. There's this pride God is warning us about. That's the reason of our text. is When you look at someone else and you see them as a second-rate Christian. You get frustrated with somebody? Why aren't they going to get up to speed? When are they going to get up to speed with being in God's kingdom? So the Apostle Paul has words for us. Don't be conformed to this world, 
Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that's what he's getting at. There's renewal of our mind is going to be this more sober thinking judgment. Let's make our judgment calls a little more fairly and soberly. Where did I get my awareness from? Where did I get my passion from? Isn't that God's gift from heaven? Gift of grace? So why am I sizing up Christians according to my own gifts? Gifts that he's given me. Apostle Paul says in verse 6 that we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. We need to absolutely understand this. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That God's gifts differ. The Lord is unwrapping different abilities and interests and talents and passions in others than He is in me. His grace to someone else is different than His grace to me. Think about that. I'm going to make it confusing for a minute. I want to use two big words. Justification and sanctification, because the Apostle Paul often does. Is God's grace for you different than God's grace for me? If God's grace is simply the grace of justification, then God's grace is no different for you than for me. And I wonder if you mainly think in the category of justification. If God's grace is Christ's blood shed for you, then it's no different than for me, right? If God's grace is that you are declared right before His mighty throne, and I'm declared right, then His grace is no different for you than for me. But let's switch out of that. Because what if God's grace includes His grace of sanctification? What if God's grace includes the, the grace of making you holy? Then we're going to have a difference, right? God does some amazing things in other people's lives that He's not doing in my life. Some people's repentance is far more impressive than mine. And the way some Christians present their bodies as living sacrifices, that Romans 1, verse 1, or Romans 12, verse 1, not being conformed to this world, their not being conformed is far more impressive than mine. And the Apostle Paul is saying, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That grace of being changed. The grace of sanctification. And this is going to be humbling for each of us. This sober thought that God's grace differs from me and you. And it's not because some of us really get the gospel and the other ones don't. It's because God decides to make His church this way. That His grace for some is different than His grace for others. His work of holiness in your life is different than His work of holiness in my life. That's the way God has designed it. Just like a human body. So let's go to our second point. We've got this analogy in our, in our Bible text. 
to the human body, compare it to the human body. Our second point is God's gift, God's gifts according to faith. So we're looking at verses 4 and 5. You read that. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. There's sometimes uh, the Bible language gets lost on us, and we forget what it was like to hear that the first time. So the Bible language here, if I ask the catechism students, what are the members of a body? I think this language is lost on us. And we're immediately thinking church, instead of thinking, what are the members of your human body? So use uh, another translation. I, I find one New Living Translation says like this, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We have many parts of one body. Okay? So this is, if you go to the doctor, and you say, yeah, there's something part of me that's hurting, that makes a lot more sense. This is what the children understand. You have body parts. You don't have body members. Nobody talks body members anymore. Do you understand the way our bodies have parts that are different from each other? Think about it. Imagine that your finger is wagging at your knees. Why don't you be more like a finger? Fingers do useful things. They, they, they point and they, they grab, they grip. Why don't you be more like a finger? And this is not so funny. The Apostle Paul is going to make this point in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. That we have this kind of pride in each of us. We are not so sober-minded about this. When we're asking ourselves why we're one of the few in church that really value what we hold precious, we're like one body part that's saying, why don't you be more like me? And our Lord Jesus Christ brings, our wor- brings his word this morning to us. He's saying, my church is like that body. I am the head and you are my body parts. I hope you're not all the same. I hope you're not all good at the same things. So Christ says in 1 uh, Corinthians 12 through the Apostle Paul, he says, if your whole body were an eye, what would that look like? Where would be your sense of hearing? It's a real pride killer, brothers and sisters, to imagine if God made the church a whole bunch of clones of you. What if everyone in church was like me? Hopefully you would cringe at the idea. It's definitely not God's idea of a body, and it's definitely not his idea of a church, making everyone do the same thing, be good at the same thing, be passionate about the same thing. He's not given the same gifts to everyone. But we have to go further than this, brothers and sisters. It's one thing to accept the fact that God has designed it this way, that we would be different. So his grace differs for each of us, yeah. And we can accept that. But would you go far as the Apostle Paul does when he says, celebrate these differences, rejoice in them, excel at them. Now that's what he's basically saying. He's saying, don't hold back. When you're good at something, do it. 
Listen to verses 68. This is where he's basically saying, go all out in your area of giftedness. Verses 68. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's use them. Let's use them. And here's a list. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This structure might be lost on us, the structure of the way that Greek sentence is formulated, but there's something of verse 3 that needs to be ringing through the rest of every line. Every phrase. Doing each of these things according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So how should the prophet be doing his work? The prophet should be doing it according to his faith. The servant according to his faith. The teacher according to his faith. The encourager, that's what exhorting means. The encourager according to his faith. The contributor, the generous person according to his faith. The leader, the merciful, each according to his faith. And that in the structure of the sentence, that should be ringing through constantly. But what does it mean? According to your faith. Each according to his faith. It's these familiar words that I really stop up at because that's where we can lose each other really quickly. Faith. What does that mean? Because it's got a broad meaning. If you look at it in a dictionary, you'll find something also regarding conviction. And that's the Apostle Paul's point here. Do you have the conviction, the knowledge behind it, the passion behind it, that this is really important for the Lord's kingdom? Then do it. Don't expect everyone to do the same thing. It should be nice to, to have other people sign up for your project. But think with sober judgment. Don't expect everyone who signs up to, to enjoy passionately what they're doing. And don't look down on others for being clueless and slow. Not like you. Brothers and sisters, this is the point the Apostle Paul is making. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And didn't we just a while go through according to the grace? And we realize that there's different grace. Grace of justification and grace of sanctification. Let's do that when we hear about this according to the measure of faith God has given. Your measure of faith is different than the measure of faith of someone else. And we know that on a basic level, justification is, is our first language. We'll be saying what unites us in faith is our Lord Jesus Christ, that we trust in Him. That His blood has counted for the forgiveness of our sins. But that's not it. That's not all. Some are convinced of the value of hospitality. That's a faith. Some are convinced of the importance of reading. The importance of group Bible study. Some are convinced of the value of evangelism. The word convinced and faith, they go together. 
you go through the list of gifts, and God has given each of us a specialty, like the human body. I'm glad my liver is good at doing liver things. Brothers and sisters, are you happy? Are you joyful? Would you celebrate that other members of the church are different from you? Verse 5, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. When was the last time you thanked God for the diversity in this church? When was the last time you thanked God that there were these evangelism people, the ones who were outgoing and, and eager to introduce others to the, the faith? When was the last time you thanked God for studious kind of people, rigorous, devoted people? When, are the, when was the last time you thanked God for those who do work behind the scenes, the generous, working, offering, helping kind of people that never get noticed? How about the praying kind of people? Do you thank God for them? And the singing kind, and the, the leading kind, the generous kind. Think with sober judgment. Use your gifts. And use your gifts full out. A finger was meant to be a finger. Feet were meant to be feet. Don't be sluggish with what God has granted. The best way for us to be the body of Christ is to obey God in all things. You hear that? I'm not backing off that point, that we have to obey God in all things. But don't miss this, that we must excel in the gifts that he has given you. Be guided by the faith, that conviction that he has appointed to you. What is God's gift to you that he's given by faith. What are you convinced about and passionate about? How is that faith DNA going to be unique to you? Because you hear the message, use that gift to help the church. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot more to be said. Could definitely, could definitely use another sermon on how to develop your gifts. Because there's a way that you can just know that you have a gift or, or you could know that more people ought to be doing something and then you just sit and do nothing with it. So there, there could be a lot more said about developing your gifts, about correcting each other and encouraging each other to use your gifts more. But our text this morning has this one clear message. Let's not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. God's grace is different for you than for me. That was a puzzling thing to think about. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Even our obedience is a gracious gift coming down from the Father of lights. So, brothers and sisters, let's think with sober judgment and let's thank God for those 
who have different gifts. What unites us is not doing the same things, not being eager about the same things, but what unites us is how we're humbly dependent on Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Amen.